You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This to me is like the really fascinating material. We don't know what the answer is, but we're looking for patterns. I think we're looking at kind of a type of cosmic alchemy. The story slowly moves Still, a lot of people don't know that this technology actually exists. The possibilities here are pretty mind-boggling. Okay. What was that? Oh, yeah. What's your What's your favorite kind of beer? Are you a beer drinker? Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm drinking one right now. <laughs> so are we. Yeah, we're drink <laughs> We're drinking Modelo. So I was wondering, what's your favorite Mexican beer? Yeah. That's definitely one of my favorite uh, Negra Modelo. Yeah, the dark. But, yeah, exactly the dark one. But if uh, I I I guess I prefer Bohemia. It's good. I like Bohemia. Now, these are the, the, the more commercial ones, right? Uh, because uh, one of the things that I don't like is that Mexico doesn't really have that much variety when it comes to beers. Just the same types? Like, yeah, like I, I, I go to the United States and it impresses me. Like, oh my God, they have the, all these t- types of, of, of beers and they have stouts and they have IPA. IPAs are almost impossible to find here in Mexico, and and, and really? I became, uh, yeah, very very uh, fond of them after going to maybe to you the could states. Maybe you could set up an import business. <clears throat> we got like every city now in the states has at least like three or four, uh, you know, brewing companies. It's crazy. We've got at least right. like fifteen in Nashville, I think. Good God, really? Yeah, there has to be. Yeah. And they all have, you know, they all serve as bars too. So, you know, then mm. you can get some real exclusive stuff or the beer culture is just on fire. Yeah, I see, because in Mexico, I guess, because we're cheap bastards. <laughs> <laughs> if, I go, if I go to the supermarket and say, okay, you know, this six pack 
is uh, what? Uh, 100 pesos or 90 pesos, which is actually uh, kind of expensive for, for a six pack, but it's the regular. But if I go to a, a, a one that is handcrafted, you know, uh, from a micro, local microbrewery, and that's 200 pesos, it's like, fuck, you know, I, I guess I'd rather have two six packs. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've kind of got the <laughs> same thing here. It's just not as extreme difference. Yeah. Well, we have always, as usually, we've already started recording. We're, we're trying to be more organic now, Red Pill, with our with our stuff. That sounds good. So, yeah. um, but the reason I got you on, well, there's really two reasons. Um, well, I guess, first of all, we just haven't had just you on in a while. You've been part of a lot of roundtables that we've been doing. But we right. haven't had you on just you know, um, by yourself in a good while. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the other reason is that um, we just did that interview with uh, Diana Pasoka, which we did last week. And yeah, and I just listened to it um, a couple of hours ago. Excellent, cool. And I wanted to get you kind of your insight on that, just to kind of continue mm-hmm. um, with those same kind of themes. And I guess there is a third reason, because you know we had um, Chris Wolford on not too long ago, and I had a request from someone on the uh, Facebook page said, uh, you need to get Red Pill and Jack Brewer to, to counter this. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we've got, we've got um, Jack Brewer coming on, I think in about three weeks. So, but I wanted to, you know, of course I wanted to get you on by yourself, but um, so we'll get to that. Cause I want to, I do want to talk, you know, a little bit of the, the, your thoughts about the TTT, that I can't even say it, the TTSA, stuff that's why i call uh, it tits and ass yeah tits and ass yeah <laughs> yeah um it's it, it well i mean do you want to start with that do you want to kind of start with the with the pasuka stuff i mean whatever however you want to go with it i'm fine i prefer to start with the pasuka stuff because okay. I, yeah i find it far more interesting that tsa yeah 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 that you know that stuff is more just like skullduggery but yeah. I think you've done a good job of of looking at it and being being critical on it. But we'll get to that. So let's get your impressions on that interview because for us, man, I mean, it was uh, pretty important. Um, I've already mm-hmm. gotten some good response off of it, and I felt like we kind of mined some areas that maybe some other shows haven't. I'm not entirely sure, but mm-hmm. it. Uh, I, I definitely think that there's the UFO stuff is there for sure in that book, but there's so much more in that book. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's the first post release of the book, uh, interview that I've heard of her. I mean, what I mean is this is the, uh, the first interview of her after the book has been released that I've, that I've heard yet. I haven't li- listened to the one with, uh, with the shriver uh-huh. that you also mentioned. I, I guess I, I'll try to, I'll try to find out what they said because apparently they, they, they went to another interesting areas there, but yeah, 
I was interested in listening to uh, her opinion of, of the, the the reaction that the the book has has caused. You know, because I guess it was kind of predictable. The minute that I started reading the book, uh, it was interesting. I went through different phases. I, I guess I'm still going through different phases when it comes to the book because I, the, my first impression was, all right, you know, because she was saying so many things that resonate with my own thinking with regards to 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 the UFO phenomenon, its social impact, and and uh, and and all that jazz, you know, many things that really synced up with me, and I was really happy to see her going through that approach. But on the other hand, I also immediately realized that her book, which is heavily influenced by by, by Jacques Vallée, and I know that you, you will also want to talk about, about him too, sure. is that uh, I feel that American Cosmic is going to go through the same uh, process or the same fate that than uh, Jacques Vallée's Messengers of Deception, which was that for the most part, uh, the public didn't hear of it when it was released. The only people who paid attention to it was the UFO community who, instead of actually focusing on, on, on what Valet was trying to say, they were too busy being outraged and feeling uh, uh, insulted by his claims that, hey guys, you know, maybe, maybe you should pay attention because this UFO thing can be manipulated by a third party and you may find yourself falling into those kinds of uh, deception tactics. And the UFO community went into the how dare you kind of thing, mm. and, and then they forgot about it. And then what happened is that 20 or 30 years had to pass before people like me went to grab a copy of the book and, and read it, and it made sense to me because I was someone who was enjoying uh, something that people who probably didn't have in back in 1978, which is access to computers and a knowledge of the world, of the World Wide Web, and that's when I realized, oh my God, this guy is talking about reality working like the like the net, like the internet, as the consciousness working as some, as some kind of hypertext link that manages that allow us to connect different sources of information regardless of of space and time. But this is something that you can only understand when you have been using the web. So, so like Diana said, it was only through our being acclimatized with the technology that we managed to understand these very radical, these very profound uh, 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 theories with regards to the UFO phenomenon. So I think that's that's what that's what going to happen with American Cosmic. I feel that. The public of American Cosmic, the readership of American Cosmic isn't there yet, and it won't be there for a long, long time, because most of the UFO community right now are only interested, they are obsessed with trying to find the identities of these anonymous characters that are portraying the book, James yeah. and Tyler, and right. I don't have to tell you that, you know, they apparently have been already, you know, like, 
revealed or identified on Reddit and, and even Grant Cameron uh, confirmed that th that person, in fact, is, is, is Tyler. And I, I already had my own suspicions of who James was. I felt it was very easy to, to deduct his identity based on what Diana was writing about them. And I think that there's something about that, that maybe these revelations were kind of like pre-programmed. Like a soft, a soft coming out for them? I guess. I guess they thought that they were going, going to come out sooner or later, so better to come out on their, their own terms in a more or less controlled manner. That is my educated assumption. But yeah, nowadays people were only obsessed about that. They were only obsessed about that portion of the book where they're talking about the relics, you know, the, the, these artifacts that they found. Yeah. In on some undisclosed uh, location in New Mexico, and by the way, I'm still surprised that people haven't haven't figured out yet where exactly that is. Because I guess if you were to read historical records that pinpoint the approximate location of where this uh, Catholic saint Maria de Agreda appeared, maybe you could try to correlate. You know where so, where this place, this alleged crashed, where the UFO took place in New Mexico. Is it somewhere in the Four Corners? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Because yeah. she mentioned the X Files um, episode, and that's what that looks like. I'm yeah. thinking it's the Anasazi episode. One of those, the ones that are mostly on the supposed to be on the Navajo reservation. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. And like the kids out there and digging up, he digs up that alien train. Last, <laughs> they're talking about the most recent uh, series, the one with, oh. that starts with these action uh, down. Okay, yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, I think that's that. I think that's what the 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 the, the X Files episode that she was referring to. But yeah, that's that's what people are interested in. They're interested in that, and they're interested in knowing who this Tyler guy is. The the UFO community couldn't care less about Diana's main theory that ufology, like you guys said in in in, in the in the interview with her, is is basically a new form of religion, a new yeah. form of religion that has technology at its forefront, like most Western religions you know ever since uh, gutenberg printed the first bible you know we have depended on technology in order to disseminate and also to influence uh, the religious experience right i mean who can forget all those people who had heart attacks or even assassins who confessed their crimes when they saw mel gibson's movie the passion yes so, so, so she's talking about that, but nobody, nobody paid attention to that. What I found interesting about her book is this idea of saying, okay, like let's forget about this idea of of, of the sightings or this idea of, of of alleged craft, and let's focus on, on on people who are able to get information by non ordinary means, non uh, rational means. And let's right. see how that can 
affect the culture, you know, because that's obviously something that Jacques Vallée talks not only in Messengers of Deception, but primarily in The Invisible College, which I think is almost like if you if you read American Cosmic and if you haven't read The Invisible College, you, you, you need to do that, you know, in order to understand both of those books completely. And and uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Are you pretty skeptical that it will have any kind of impact in academia? It's a good question uh, because I listened to that interview, the first interview that Diana did with uh, our friend Greg Bishop, which she mentioned how one of her colleagues who used to be very critic or very mocking of, of her interest in UFOs, all of a sudden became uh, like more open to the idea once the the famous December 2017 article on the New York Times broke and i guess everybody even the most the most cynics among us started to acknowledge that yet yeah, the atmosphere and the momentum with regards to to ufo perception had changed after that but nowadays, I feel that the momentum was lost. And I think that that's entirely the fault of to the stars. I think that these guys had something really interesting going on. Everybody, even, you know, the us skeptics of their, of their intentions at message were saying, okay, let's see what, what comes next. And almost nothing came out next. So a year and a half passed, and uh, and if you look to mainstream media nowadays, UFOs are back to becoming a joke. You know, you, the, the the momentum was lost. So I don't know if if that momentum carried out uh, outside of the public sphere. You know, in academic circles, is very difficult to to know. I, there are other articles that have been released uh, showing this idea of very, very smart people, uh, scientists in, in Silicon Valley, who are like, like those invisibles that Diana spoke of. People who are convinced that, you know, the, such extraterrestrial beings have seeded, you know, technology for the benefit of humankind. So I don't know if that will carry any weight in, in, in the public discussion in the years to come, uh, uh, I guess we'll just have to see. Although I'm, I remain kind of skeptical at uh, the moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm not pretty, really that optimistic. Pretty skeptical about that too. See, yeah. that to me, you know, and and I want to talk to you about the transhumanist aspect of this because we were seeing but, this, we were seeing this pretty clearly, and we've been talking about this kind of stuff. Me and Serafiel here for yeah. a while privately and a little bit on the show but and all of a sudden he listens to this interview one of the interviews that she gave and he says and this is this is all the transhumanist stuff it's just being cloaked in this ufo religion right. and um you know we dug a little deeper with her about the transhumanism and and and, and there's still almost to me it's it's not it's it's like this nexus between UFOs, transhumanism, religion, Silicon Valley, 
technology, uh, worshiping technology as a religion. You know, I mean, and I really just thought to myself, this is not about UFOs. It's just UFOs is just one tiny piece of all this. Or one branch of it, yeah. Yeah. Not the main thing. And maybe that's not necessarily bad because at one point I've started to, to consider the possibility that uh, UFOs are not the be-all, end-all of all this. You know, like maybe UFOs are just supposed to be the the thing that wakes you up. Right. You know, is the alarm yeah. bell. That doesn't mean that you need to have the alarm bell ringing, you know, near your ear every single, you know, moment of the day. You know, you're already awake. You know, now you have to do other other stuff, and now you have to go and 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 focus on other things. Is the kind of thing that I, that I always chastise the UFO community. Like, okay, if you started with a very nuts and bolts kind of attitude with UFOs, if you haven't progressed from that point of view and started to look into things like parapsychology, near-death experiences, psychedelic trips, yes. dude, you're stuck. <laughs> you're doing this wrong. Yes, yeah. Because there's so much more. Uh, and I, Exactly. And I, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to I was going to say it's it really seems like it's more about the uh the increasing supernatural nature of technology. And that mm-hmm. is going to this idea of contact, you know, and it's it's being interpreted as extraterrestrials by some of these guys, apparently. But, you know, and that's something we asked her about. Is this really about that? And is this are we going to be seeing more strange phenomenon around technology? Maybe the technology is just approaching the veil, you know? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, uh, we we have seen ideas like that way before UFOs enter the picture. Yeah. You have to remember the, the, the origins of the spiritualist movement in the 19th century. Uh, so the first channelers, the first mediums, were receiving these messages from people, uh, from discarnate beings who claimed to be, uh, you know, the souls of dead, of dead people who lived on the earth a long time ago or not so long ago. They said that they started to receive the messages because Benjamin Franklin <laughs> had created some kind of apparatus on the other side to start communicating with people here, right? <laughs> so, so, so there's that, you know? And, and Was it that glass instrument that he made? Because I saw that in the Benjamin Franklin Museum in yeah, Philadelphia. Right. Uh, Might have been that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a very interesting movie that came uh, on Bra- from Brazil some years ago, some uh-huh. I guess ten years ago, it's called our our home, no solar, it, and it's based on the teachings on the, of these uh, spiritual leader in, in in Brazil. Brazil people may know know this, but it's a very it's a it's very vegan when it comes to spiritualism and mediumship and all that kind of yeah. stuff. They call it spiritual. Exactly, the spiritus. So yeah. there's this spiritus mm-hmm. church. Uh, who released this uh, book, this channel book of this guy, you know, from, from this uh, dead individual. And the movie is based on that. And and, and, and I love it because basically they, they show how uh, Steve Jobs got the idea of, of the iMac from, the, from these uh, spirits, 
you know so the, so in, in this interpretation spirits are the ones who are giving inspiration that's a inspiration and spiritus are, are are have the same root so they gave inspiration to all these artists and scientists to come up with all these uh instruments all this uh, new technology but uh Getting back to this idea about the transhumanists, what, what, which I found really interesting, you guys talking about about that, I feel that l- like ufology is falling into two different camps, like always, you know, there's always two two opposite camps. On one side, there's these people who are very much on board with what to the stars is selling, and all this idea about transhumanism, and and yeah, the technology, our our iPhones are gonna save us. Right, and on the other hand, are the people who <laughs> go to ayahuasca ceremonies, who go to shamanic rituals, who uh, take mushrooms, and who are saying, "No, no, 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 no." The idea is that we renounce technology and we go back into na- nature, you know, and we try to save this earth, you know, not not the stop with this. Uh, let's go into space because we wrecked our planet. Nonsense. So I don't know, I, myself, I guess right now in my life, I, I'm closer to the ayahuasca drinkers than the transhumanist yeah. uh, advocates. Maybe because of my circumstance, maybe because I'm a, I'm a 45-year-old unemployed poor Mexican who is, doesn't have any kind of like stock options on a, you know technology, Silicon Valley startup. You know, uh, I, I, I'm not friend with Elon Musk. I'll never have a Tesla electric car. So that's why I don't feel that technology hasn't done a great deal in favor of making this a better world. Right. Well, that's you've hit on a point there that this whole transhumanist movement. I mean, you can throw UFOs completely out of it. It has nothing to do with the ordinary human being. Right. You know, we we mentioned that, you know, th- there's an attitude in Silicon Valley now where they don't want their kids to have cell phones right. because they realize how damaging it is to children. But for everybody else, they're okay with supplying everybody else's mm-hmm. kids. So there's like this, that's just an example of, of just an elitist attitude. So this transhumanism is like, you know, you've got people that are um, podcasters or just, you know, just somebody that is a middle class person that's sitting there and thinking, oh, I'm going to be included. They're going to take me to Mars. No, buddy, they ain't taking you to Mars. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to happen. So, yeah, you've you've hit on something there. I mean, that's the point is like it's this transhumanist stuff only works for the elite. It's only the person that it works for. And then with these two figures in the book, it's it's even it's even more so because not only uh, you know we we have a special class of people who are in contact also and have access right. to right. the you right. know, this interdimensional information that gives them biotech patents and you know that it's it's even more elitist because you have that aspect you know like I guess, like, I guess like how the the yeah, church was. I guess it's difficult to. As a reader of American's Cosmic, is is I guess you you get this idea of this Tyler individual 
of, as you say, you know, an elitist who is, get, is getting the, all these uh, formulas and patterns from the Akashic Records beamed down. And only wears Gucci. Exactly, only wears Gucci. <laughs> he has his private plane and, and and saying, okay, how is this going to help me on my, on a day-to-day basis? I prefer to think of, of the people who are also receiving uh, you know, non-human messages, people like Mike Cleland, <laughs> who's definitely not wearing Gucci, yeah. <laughs> who probably has mm-hmm. never dr- mm-hmm. drank uh, crystal champagne, and, and he's very happy about it. He's ha- happy about his role that he has to play, that he, he feels that he has a mission to fulfill as well, but it's a mission that doesn't have to do with, with, with technology. On the, on, the, on the contrary, I feel that that what Mike is, is going with, inadvertently or not, is about preparing for a time when we will have to be without technology. Yeah, I mean, that's very, very possible. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, it... and and I remember this uh, another thing that that uh, I think about when I think about these ideas is um, that passage in in one of Whitley Struber's book. Uh, he first mentioned it in Transformation. This idea of, of him, this kind of very vivid dream, and he felt in, in which he felt he was in some kind of a alien realm, a, a, a desert-like environment. And, and obviously, in, in the mythology of Seta Reticula and, and, and the Greys, people say that the, the Greys inhabit a, a desert world uh, orbiting the Seta Reticula binary star system, whatever. But what fascinated me about Whitley Strieber account is the fact that he was shown by one of these beings where they lived. And it was kind of almost like not even a hut. It was almost like some kind of like roof made out of twigs and leaves that was just lifted from one of the sides. And, and Whitley Strieber was taking it back and saying, is this how you lived? And they say, yeah, this is all, this is all we need. And I, I always found that fascinating because I guess when people project their, their, their ideas about what alien life, extraterrestrial life, if you want to, will be like. We always think of uh, Coruscant in, in Star Wars, you know? City like, city, the cities that cover entire planets with all this advanced technology and kilometer-long skyscrapers. But no, apparently the realm of these beings was more like tattooing, even worse than tattooing. <laughs> I found that uh-huh. interesting, you know, this idea that okay, you know, maybe, maybe this this intelligence is not really selling us technology. Although, if I guess if you talk to Tyler or all these people, they are selling us technology. But maybe, maybe the idea of selling us technology is not so much. Um, it's something that I that I consider when I was reading American Cosmic, this idea that there's people like Tyler and James who think, okay, this technology that we are getting is a gift sent us from these beings. Maybe it's not a gift. Maybe it's more like a test. Like in the in the vein of the movie uh, or and the book Sphere by Michael Crichton. I don't know if you guys saw that one. Yeah, I've 
I've seen it in Reddit. Okay, so it's a really interesting uh, book about the discovery of a truly alien artifact that is so powerful that it's almost impossible to to use it correctly. It was almost like you will see it as some kind of like um, litmus test sent by an advanced uh, species in order to see if uh, if uh, if uh, nascent or a new uh, civilization is worthy, you know, to evolve and, and, and come to hang out with the big boys. It's something that, that, I, that I also considered in, in, um, in an old essay that I wrote a long time ago in a, in a website that is no longer uh, available online. I guess I'll have to, you know, try to uh, reprint it elsewhere. The idea of considering... Uh, alleged UFO technology as something of a, a white elephant test. I don't know if you guys have uh, know where the, the, the phrase the white elephant comes from. I'm not familiar with it. Okay. Actually, no. So what, uh, back in the times of uh, India, you know, when the Rajas were the guys uh, uh, governing things, if, if, an, if someone was beginning, beginning to be a problem for the Raja, for the governor, Instead of, you know, killing him or declaring war to him, the best way to get rid of that uh, potential threat was to give the gift of a white elephant. A white elephant was considered to be a great honor to have, but at the same time was a curse because the white elephant is basically uh, useless as a, as a beast of burden. You can't do anything with it. And it, it is very expensive to maintain. So basically what you're doing is you're giving this uh, poisoned apple to your enemy in the form of a, of a very exclusive gift, knowing that it will end up ruining him. <laughs> so that's where the, the, the phrase white elephant comes from. So that's when I thought, okay, so let's suppose for a minute, for the sake of argument, that Roswell happened. Someone somewhere crashed, crashed something and the government recovered it. So what do you do? You have two choices. You either tell the world, hey, we have this that came from somewhere else. We don't know what it is. Maybe you can help us to, the, to figure it out. You share it openly to the, with the world. Or you keep it a secret. And that's where, when I, when I was writing, writing this, and, and let me be clear, I'm not necessarily advocating for the reality of Roswell. This is a thought experiment. But I was remembering things that yeah. I, I read in, in uh, Richard Dolan's book, some insider who told him that the people who keep the, 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 the UFO secret, most of the money they spend is spent in keeping the secret, you know? <laughs> All the guards, all the security countermeasures, encryption, whatever. So that's what I thought. Okay, you maybe if you keep this secret, you end up with a with a white elephant. You know, something that ends ends up uh, consuming all your resources, the resources that should be better spent uh, feeding and educating your population. Otherwise. They end up thinking the Earth is flat. Sounds familiar. <laughs> so instead of going into space because you were greedy, you end up stuck in the ground. You didn't pass the test. I have also heard it by more 
Christian researchers that have you know that, that take this they take the the tack right. that you know the aliens come for our demons basically this type of thing and they said that you know Roswell if it happened and some of them even point to like Jack Parsons and bringing something through um, which you know they pick up a lot of that from Nick Redfern but and his book uh, the final events but you know that this is an idea like that it's a Trojan horse basically that. Um, it's it's all just a trick, and you know I've I've heard that uh, I've heard it put that way. So that's that's an interesting idea. Well, and the information in the book is you know supposed to be uh, biotechnological things that yeah. are actually you know eventually I guess put into people or become you know right. like inserting things that will become a part of our DNA or yeah it's, it's weird. Well, obviously yeah. there's this all this mythology surrounding the idea that the greys um, are either right. an, an extraterrestrial <laughs> uh, extraterrestrial race that degraded their DNA so much that they needed to like renew it with our own fresh DNA or there's also even the idea that they are uh, humanity from the future that are so screwed up by transhumanism and, and, and pollution and in genetic you know uh, engineering that they need to come here in order to like recover something that they lost along the way mm-hmm. you know the, the, mm-hmm. the, obviously there is that you know even Joe Rogan uh, likes to uh, and this is an, an, an interesting speculation how seeing seeing how the the the, the, the classical image of the of the alien which is the gray which is what uh thin spindly with <laughs> not very healthy looking you know that's something that is in, in sharp contrast with how we see ourselves which is you know still very physically oriented at least the people who actually use their bodies for something other than you know watching tv <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you you bring a good point there because the, I mean, is it more like you get a twelve monkeys kind of scenario where basically the time travelers caused it in the first place? Right. Yeah. That's essentially what it. That's essentially what it is. I mean, it's it's a it's an interesting thought exercise. But it, you know, it it does seem that in human history, if you look at it, there are certain times where there's the there are these weird um, mutual inspirations right. where someone will think of something all at the same mm-hmm. time. It's like the light bulb. Every people were thinking of it exactly the same yeah. time. Uh, radio the same way. I think the telephone the yeah, same yeah. way. So all these different ideas were coming forward mm-hmm. all at the right time. And you think, is this an organic thing or is this, or is this something that we, like you mentioned with like the spiritualists where people are actually getting some kind of quote unquote divine inspiration. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, I go back and forth and sometimes I say, yeah, that's maybe the only way that we will save ourselves or we will not save ourselves. The only thing that we'll be, we will be able to preserve is the memory of ourselves that will be carried out by our robot, robotic descendants. 
you know that the uh, they are the only yeah. ones who will be able to uh you know spread into the cosmos but i uh, sometimes i feel like that sometimes i feel wait a minute that's still too much into the star trek kind of uh, scenario whereas I feel that uh, with Diana Pasulka, we should entertain more the idea of uh, uh, Sally Kubrick's 2001. And, and, and if you read the novel that is the, the, the movie is based off, these entities are basically godlikes. You know, they, they are not constrained by, by time and space. They're basically eternal. And this is something that also that actually falls into in line with what some uh, spiritists spiritualists say that uh, spirits live in a in a world that is not bound by time, but at the same t- they know everything, but they can't do nothing. Whereas we uh, can do everything, anything, but we don't know everything, you know, and and we are bound by by space by time. So that's why the only thing they can do to to change things in this world is to inspire us, to 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 influence us through dreams, visionary experiences, mushroom trips, whatever, in order to bring yeah. these pieces from the noosphere in order to to change the world and change ourselves. I, I really liked, uh, by the way, guys, how you were start, starting to say, is transhumanism a new alchemy? Uh, I was that was really thought provoking. Mm-hmm. I want to say yes, but because the problem I see with transhumanism and, and and with technology is like the same arguments that Ian Malcolm, you know, the character that Jeff Goblin do, uh, has in in Jurassic Park, it didn't require any kind of discipline or effort to 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 attain it and assess it. That's the problem what I see with technology. That basically you have a rich kid who has an iPhone that is the most powerful device ever produced by man. Instead, the, the alchemist was a guy who was, uh, you know, uh, locked up in his cellar for 20 years trying to do something, you know, and that discipline, that rep- that repetitive task was the thing that transformed him, you know, that that slowly burning the matter, refining the matter, distilling the matter, repeat again and again and again and again. And and I find in that the, the personal effort is the thing that I that I don't see in the transhumanist offer. Like like you guys say, okay, you know, only the elites will be able to benefit from it because they have the resources for it. Not because they are worthy of it, just because they 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 are the lucky ones in our current capitalist system. Well, and they have to, they have to enshroud this in holiness so that the rest of us, I will guess swallow the same, it. you know, I mean, that's yeah, the same way that, uh, wealth was justified by protestant Calvinists and Protestants by saying, well, you see, if, if someone is wealthy, that means that they were favored by God before they were born. And that is the way that mm-hmm. predestination. That is the yeah. way that God shows that that person is going to be saved. Uh, the same way that they say, okay, you know, if the, the reason why these people are on top is because they were the appointed ones to receive all these alien downloads 
so we could yep, save yep. ourselves and, and build a mothership before it's too late. And so they get to live hundreds of years while we just die <laughs> normally. And we are, I, I know that right now I'm being very, very unfair with this Tyler individual who we don't know. And, and obviously in the book, in the book, in American Cosmic, he is portrayed as someone who is actually very empathic. He acts. He actually goes through a, a total religious transformation. By the end of the book, he 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 becomes Catholic, right? Uh, that's obviously mm-hmm. something that doesn't happen if you don't have just a, a, an inkling of empathy <laughs> toward your fellow man. So I'm I'm sure is it, it, I I I. I I noticed the distress in Diana's voice when he was talking about how probably Tyler knows that she's he's being he could be used the same way that this Catholic saint Maria of, of Agreda was used by the Catholic Church and and the Spanish Crown in order to pursue an agenda that wasn't hers. Maybe that, I think that. That was what Diana was implying with the, with all these. Yeah, and she talks about the frontier right. of space, but she she clarifies also though that transhumanism is necessary for space travel. Right. And the religion of transhumanism right. is necessary for transhumanism. Right. Yeah. 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 Obviously, what we're saying is tra- why why is space travel relevant nowadays is not because saying oh let's let's uh, let's colonize the cosmos let's let's learn let's grow or is not like let's get out of here because <laughs> otherwise we're going to you know disappear yeah and it's the few that survive right, right? and so they want to be the ones that they want to be the ones to to leave the ship i mean th- this it, i it, you probably listened to the to the last part where it was just ourselves yeah and you know, I mean, I I don't know if you watched the Alex Jones on Joe Rogan. I haven't. Which you know, I've, we haven't really talked about on I this show. I, I, I intend to. I, I... But I mean, it's it quite was, entertaining. It was similar, in a way, to some of the stuff that was that we were gleaning from this book, and we had we we had watched this this interview before we actually read this right. book. And I mean, he is talking about, and it's Alex Jones, so you know. But he's he's talking about going to Silicon Valley and doing these ayahuasca trips, and these people. He say these people are talking to the Clockwork Elves, which I guess is right out of McKenna. Yeah. And so you know, this this is very similar to stuff to what is being implied in American Cosmic. Yeah. That that this kind of thing is actually going on so it's like you've got a you've got a combination of the two of what you were saying where there's two camps but it almost seems like you know there's some cross-pollination with the guys in silicon valley are they saying let's let's get you know let's uh let's go to burning man and take ayahuasca because you see that now with like something like burning man where it's this big festival and these people are all coming up from Silicon Valley. That's why a lot of the old burners have kind of gotten oh, tired right. of it because it is this, it is now the kind of like this corporate thing where you got to pay a thousand something yeah. dollars. To all get the in. energy they burned you know? 
while they are you know, with all yeah. these very expensive RV units with uh, air conditioning and and, yeah. and there's their minivars. Yeah, exactly. I guess what we're saying is that everything can be perverted. That's a problem of human nature, you know. Uh, even the most right. novel message can be uh, perverted in the long run. You know, even technology. I mean, I guess we're talking of technology in a very ne- negative connotation. Uh, well, technology doesn't necessarily has to be negative. I guess technology is neutral. You know that, like, uh, an iPhone can be used to learn to teach uh, a, a child in Africa how to read and write. It can also be used to to uh, post uh, the horrible mass shooting happening in a mosque in New mm-hmm. Zealand. You know. Mm-hmm. Are you to blame the technology for for their per, the perversions to used by, by the the perverted ways in which some people use it? I don't know. I'm not I'm not ready to make that 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 judgment. But um, yeah, definitely, I, you could feel that maybe there are some people who are are. Pushing that agenda for their own benefit, uh, uh, I guess I'm just the kind of person who says, "Wait a minute, you know, there are many ways to 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 see the UFO phenomenon." I'm definitely seeing the UFO phenomenon just from the lens of technology is not to me is not appropriate, Ma- mainly because we're not aware of our own bias, and our our bias as Westerners is to try to understand everything in, in, in terms of technology. So we, if we see a portent in the sky, we see, oh, well, that's an advanced craft. <laughs> that's an advanced craft that can perform uh, turns of, uh, I don't know how many thousands of Gs. That means they have some kind of like unobtainium in their, in their fusion engine. We go like that. <laughs> so we go like that, but if you... If the, if the same phenomenon is, is, is seen by you know, a shaman from an Amazonian tribe, people say, oh, yeah, well, th- those are the spirits, you know, they're performing their, their, exactly. their, 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 their omens and, or, and are the signs. You know, um, she pointed this out and I pointed it out in the interview, you know, this whole, um, I think it was Ray Hernandez that she oh. talked about in the book. And she talked about, you know, Ray Hernandez is an, I guess he's an agnostic or an atheist and his wife is devoutly Catholic. They had the same phenomenon happen to them, but they each saw it within the framework of their own belief system. So to him, it was craft and to her, it was angelic beings, but it was the same, the same phenomenon. So we all just, you know, interpret this, this material Within our cultural framework, exactly. I, I, and uh, I w- I'm recently uh, reading, finishing uh, the Andreasson the Andreasson affair by Raymond Fowler. It's a story that I was very yeah. familiar with, but I have mm-hmm. never actually read the book. Uh, to me, it's fascinating to see how Betty, who is, I think she's still alive, is a devout Christian, she is, and, and, yeah. and she's seeing these incredible experience through her religious lens and I, um, it was also even frustra- frustrating to me to see how the people who were interviewing her 
and also were present in the in their hypnotic regressions, they were so adamant in trying to interpret it from an ET kind of uh, uh, way, like saying, "Hey, Betty, Betty." So they tell you the name of the planet they're coming from, and she is no, they're not coming from any planet. They they are from another place. It's not a planet. It's another world. You're like what? Like it it right. didn't compute to her, but to her it was very clear. You know, these were angels. You know, these were angels of the of the Lord performing uh, something for the benefit of Jesus Christ. And if it was written down 300 years ago, people would say, well, that was a religious experience. That exactly. She had. The same way. Which I would say now that was a religious experience that she had. Exactly. Literally. The same way that you see the very yeah. the similarities that I, that I noted on a recent article between the visionary experience of Joseph Smith, who was the founder of the Mormon Church, who was visited by these, what we will call now a tall Nordic. <laughs> The angel, uh huh. <laughs> yep. Old Maroni. Yeah, exactly the same thing happened to this guy Joe Fermich, who also happened to be Mormon and who also happened to be this uh, one of these very early uh, dot com entrepreneurs. You know, one of those first wonder kids who made uh, a gazillion dollars on the early World Wide Web, while while the rest of us was just fascinated that we, that we will be able to download porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean and, and i've i've made the point we, we, we've talked a little bit about this the, the mormon stuff ourselves and i've made the point uh, a serfiel that uh you know that if that was a hundred if what happened to joseph smith was a hundred years later that's uh that's like what happened to adamski our van tassel you know I mean, so it's, it's, it sounds exactly yeah, the same. And, and the fact that uh, uh, yeah. Jeffrey Kripal points out, and the moment that he did was fascinating to me in the book Supernatural, that what happened to Joseph Smith happened not too far away from where Whitley Trevor was living on his cabin in New mm -hmm. York, right? So yep. it's a very interesting region there, uh, full of... Uh, I guess we could call it spiritual currents, for lack of a better word. Well, we know a whole bunch of weird stuff happens to our friend Sarai. Exactly, so. exactly. He's pretty much in that area. <laughs> He's pretty close to it. Burned over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just waiting for Soraya to start the church of the Where Did the Road Go? Yeah, that's probably Why already not? happened. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody just listens to metal all day. And <laughs> one of the apostles, you know. <laughs> well, let, let's get into the the some tits and ass. Let's get into uh, TTSA a little bit because um, you know you wrote this article not too long ago called UFO programming, TTSA, technosis, and hyper reality. Mm -hmm. And I think some of this was this in response to what is going on with like the TV show that they're talking about. And I don't know if you did you write this before or after that the um, conference in Huntsville. Well, it's interesting because actually I I started to write it uh, before information about the conference started to leak into into Twitter and social media. So yeah, I, I, I confess, it started as a good old 
uh, very focused rant about saying, oh, look, another UFO program, <laughs> you know, like saying, why are we so uh, excited about seeing yet another uh, TV show produced by the History Channel, who, in my opinion, has made an awful, an awful case in, 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 in uh, popularizing UFO content by way of, of mm -hmm. going to more extremist and more sensationalist kind of content. Like you watch the last seasons of, of Ancient Aliens and, and it's just got awful. And, knowing, and, and I say this knowing that some of my friends <laughs> have been on that show. You know, Robbie Graham, Nick Redfern, you know, met the late Philip Coppins. Uh, but yeah, and, and asking the question, why is it that they are using this kind of platform in order to propel their message instead of doing something like, I don't know, uh, a more serious kind of documentary or even, you know, people. Congress hearings or whatever, you know, like another mock, mock Congress hearing, like the ones that the Stephen Bassett did a few years ago. Uh, and that's when I also was trying to, to uh, quote Robbie Grant with this idea, the dangers of hyper-reality when it comes to UFOs. This is also something that Diana mentions in his book at length, the idea how something as intangible and as surreal as as the UFO uh, can be so easily manipulated in, pop, in in popular culture, the way that you portray it, uh, the portrayal itself becomes real in the minds of the public. You know, like you you speak to every man on the street, hey, uh, why you do you think uh, UFOs are here? Possibly like. Seven out of ten will say, "Well, they're here to collect our sperm and make all some kind of experiments, and they also, you know, the, uh, they take our cattle, our cattle, and, you know, and they're preparing <laughs> for some kind of invasion." That's why it's so in the news. Get your get your tinfoil hats exactly. on, guys. Your alien prevention hat. Exactly. But. Uh, and that's the problem, you know, that, that, that's the way that we've been uh, fed by popular culture, Hollywood, mainstream media, you know, South Park, you know, cartoons, the way that the, 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 the symbol becomes the real thing in the minds of the public. And, and we... Uh, approach it from that perspective and it becomes even more complicated because of, of, of all these things about co-creation that Greg Bishop talks about how our preconceptions about the phenomenon may very well uh, influence the way that the phenomenon presents itself or the way that we uh, like interact with the phenomenon because the, the observer is not just a, a passive receiver of information there is a more dynamic uh, interactive thing going on there, you know, within our subconscious mind and whatnot. Yes. So I was ranting about that, but then I noticed that there was all this information coming about uh, the conference and noticing um, 
very smart people who went to that conference who were giving this high praise about uh, what was presented in the conference, specifically what Louis Elizondo presented. So I, I, I realized that I needed to also address that. So I guess that's what also I started to to uh, jam or riff about these things that we've been talking about previously. This idea of okay, you know, this transhumanist technological agenda that seems to be behind uh, to the stars. Also, the idea of maybe using. Uh, to the stars in order to uh, propel some kind of like new arms race, like saying, yeah, we need to we need to study UFOs so we can harness the technology before our enemies, you know, the Chinese or the Russians do it, you know, because they're so very interested in yeah, that. See, that's that's my kind of pet theory on this is like. The space weaponization yeah. that's what the that's all this is about maybe I, I, I we don't know for certain if that's just what it's all about i guess that when it comes to the ufo agendas it we're talking more about um an octopus with many tentacles many many branches and, and many many things that that are happening all at the same time sure but yeah i, I was talking about that and and you know, just to say, it's not that I want to become the the number one enemy of of to the stars, but I felt it was necessary to to point out to all these new people who are entering the field are very excited about what Tom DeLonge has been saying, just to tell them, hey guys, we the all the graybeards of the tribe. We remember when 20 years ago they were st also selling us disclosure, and they never delivered the goods. And this is what happened with you know Bob Lazar, and this is what happened with UFOs cover up live, something that I that I, I watched here in Mexico. <laughs> and you, in, in, wow, they showed yeah, it there. Show it wow. there, and it was like my God. And I felt when I saw it, I said, Oh my God. It's happening. It's, you know, yeah. it's going to be any minute now. Any minute. That's right. And they like strawberry and ice cream. They like cream. strawberry ice cream and they like Tibetan throat music. <laughs> and, and they're hanging out in Area 51, <laughs> man. And, and any minute, any minute, they're going to tell us the truth. Aaron Gullius played, uh, he did a whole thing, a little thing about um, the UFO documentaries or UFO mm -hmm. movies. And he played that clip from the the UFO, the, the live thing that you talked about. And he, or the, the host, gave out the hotline numbers. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like two ninety nine a minute. Yeah, yeah. It's like 900 numbers in like 1988 or something, mm -hmm. you know. Uh Greg Crazy. Bishop had, uh, has had Robert Emenegger a couple of times on his Radio Mysterioso podcast, and, and Emenegger was also uh, involved in that in that show. And, and in, one, in one of those interviews, he explains to Greg that the whole thing was so scripted. Like, the producer... Yeah. The producer apparently was 
was shown some information that made him incredibly paranoid. Like at first, I guess he thought it was kind of like a joke, but then after he went and talked to some of these people, possibly Doty or, or even maybe Falcon, he became so paranoid that I say nobody de- is allowed to deviate from the script. So every, er, all of the interviews, everything that was said in the show was by so following some already written dialogue. And, and Eminegger said that he was so frustrated by that that d- during one of the rehearsals when they, uh, he he got fed up and he joked and said, and when the alien ship opened up, Bigfoot came out of it. <laughs> so like, God, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's been known to happen. Exactly, but I guess that's that's <laughs> that's, that's also one of the things that, that I'm against when it comes to the prominence of to the stars in the current ufological discourse. Is the mm-hmm. idea that once again, high high strangeness is being overlooked and thrown out of the window? Because right, it's control the exactly. narrative. We need yeah. to paint. Mm-hmm. UFOs as respectable for the masses, therefore we cannot talk about you know winged humanoid encounters. We cannot talk about uh, four foot tall owls in the middle of the road freak- freaking out people. We cannot talk about uh, Bigfoot walking on the fields with glowing red eyes and being also impervious to bullets. We certainly cannot talk about goblins stalking uh, hapless citizens in in small towns in Kansas, can we? Yeah. I mean, are the Mothman or anything else that has to do with any of that stuff, all the high strangers. But yet, mm-hmm. they seem to be trying to change the narrative from extraterrestrial to quote unquote interdimensional. Not sure about that. I feel sometimes they, they are, are calling it advanced aerial threat instead, you, you know, like that. I mean, Elizondo is very agnostic. I, I've never yeah. heard, heard him saying E.T. He's like saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but other people that are with them, they're definitely ETH uh, proponents. Uh, Tom DeLong is definitely uh, uh, with the ETH camp. You think so? Because he seems to like... Maybe he's looking at it as the aliens are gods. I guess. It almost has seemed to me that he has he he thinks that there's something in between. I don't know. That's almost splitting hairs in a way, if you think mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. But they're but they're definitely throwing out uh, all these things that, to me, are the things that we should be looking more. The things that uh, the late Kathleen Turner said. This is the problem. When you look into a problem, when you look into an uh, 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 an intractable phenomenon. The best thing you can do is to look into the, 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 the most eccentric aspects of that phenomenon. You know, it's not definitely, yeah. it's not the easiest, 
but is in the end is the best approach. And recently, um, I wrote a foreword for for Mike Lennon's uh, book. He, he he's going to launch a, an ebook, the marking the tenth uh, anniversary of his uh, blog, uh, Hidden Experience. So in that foreword, I, I mentioned, or I put as an example how Johannes Kepler, you know, this astronomer, or 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 this actually he was an astrologer, but he was kind of like the first real astronomer who managed to come up with these laws of planetary motion that basically if we, if we reach the moon is because of Johannes Kepler and if Newton managed to to come up with the laws of gravity is also because of Johannes Kepler but Johannes Kepler was able to do that only because he followed the advice of his uh, uh, partner Tycho Brahe who told him you need take into consideration the the motion of mars mars of all the planets is the one that has the most retrograde uh trajectory in the sky you know that like goes forward and then goes backward is the most eccentric the most out of whack trajectory because johannes kepler before had he had this very neat idea of assigning the orbits of the planets to the platonic solids these perfect geometric forms and in his idea all these will prove the existence of god you know so god has to had to be perfect therefore his creation had to also show that perfection but when he didn't manage to reconcile the actual observable trajectory of mars with his really nice idea of geometric perfection he had to start from scratch and he came up with the idea of assigning elliptical uh, trajectories to the planet. So that's that's my that's my opinion. That when you look into the things that don't add up, the things that don't fit, the things that you really want to discard because they don't conform to to your really neat explanation of how reality works. When you are honest with yourself and you take a, a, a hard look into that data, that is when you actually have the paradigm shifts that propel humankind forward. Yeah, that's an extremely good point. Yeah. Profound. <laughs> Very. Yeah. Because if we don't look, how are we going to know? I mean, and yeah, the, the high strangeness stuff is the, it gets left out, I think, because it, it is strange. Mm -hmm. And I think it gets really left out even in the fictional depictions of all this because it is, um, it's, it's not sexy mm -hmm. enough. You know, I think we kind of touched on that a little bit. Uh, I, well, I want to talk a little bit about the quote-unquote fanboys. Uh -oh. <laughs> uh -oh. Because I'm trying to, um, you know, there's this, this person that was took a, to, taking uh, me and Chris Wolford to, to task, even though, you know, my main thing on this show is to let people give their opinion. Right. And that's all I was doing. But, um, you know, it, Chris is not, I think, as, as bad as 
as most, but you know, there there seems to me to be almost this um, Ayatollah like kind of attitude with some of these guys. We're just like, okay, you know, move over, old fogies. Exactly. You know, the, it's like the cultural revolution exactly. almost in, in ufology. It's <laughs> it's the red guards. Right. Yeah. Right, they, they, they're lifting their copies of secret machines instead of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good analogy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what can I say? Yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I guess it's part of my contrarian um, nature. I guess uh, also if we are... People who are drawn to ufology are people who are very iconoclastic in in, in, in their mm-hmm. character you know we we are not very uh, we are, we're not fans of authority let's put it that way and that has its pros and definitely has its 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 cons because then anything that is said by the authority we kind of tend to dismiss it except when it comes to disclosure which is kind of like the, the big paradox like oh you know we don't believe anything the government says except when it says that ufos are real that's when we will believe er- everything they say okay so it doesn't doesn't make sense yeah. but all right that's you know just the problem with religion is that it sometimes never makes sense and with disclosure sometimes it feels like we are talking about a new religion and with the attitudes of, of, of some people who are uh, I guess in favor or or are very much advocating for those kinds of uh, uh, ideas they're not they're not very welcome of criticism or or people saying wait a minute you know this thing about disclosure we've had it we've, we've heard it before man and you know because there are even people who say that we're now entering into the post disclosure phase and, and i'm like wait a minute i mean this is not the disclosure that they sold me when i was like 20 years old you know to me the disclosure is the change of everything you know, like, mm-hmm. and de- and it definitely is some kind of like official confirmation with incontrovertible proof. To me, disclosure, I guess, it was going to be uh, people looking up and seeing the UFOs by themselves, and and then then the president of the United States saying, "My fellow Americans," you know, blah blah blah. Uh, that's definitely yeah. not what we're getting. And I feel like people got excited with things that are important, but are not that uh, new when it comes to UFO information. Like we know that we know that pilots encounter UFOs every day, you know, during their their maneuvers. You know, the Leslie King's book is full of you know re- re- reports even more interesting than the ones that that uh, commander fravor and, and and the people who were in those maneuvers with you the uss nimitz are reporting much more if i have to hear about this tiktok video tiktok video one more time i'm going to scream exactly. and, 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 
And if I have to see TikTok come up on my Facebook page one more time, I'm going to scream. <laughs> and the video itself, so, it's so I mean, it's so small. It's so, uh, you know, unimpressive. And I don't know if you yeah. guys have had John Greenwald of the Black Bolt uh, talking about this. Because no. uh, I found an article that he wrote about, you know, all his... Uh, skepticism about to the stars. I think it's one of the most com- comprehensive and most detailed uh, information that you will find a- anywhere about you know the the many flaws that to the stars has. Like for example, this idea that oh the 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 videos that to the, the Tic Tac videos and the GoFunds were released by by the United States government by the Department of Defense. He has you know, have communications with people in, 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 in the Department of Defense, and they're adamant that they, they did not release the videos. So there's, there's hmm. still that uh, dichotomy that we need to address, you know, because to the stars... Where did it come from? Did it came from who were the ones who disclosed it and who uh, ordered it? You know, like for example, yeah. uh, one of the things that I read in that article is really good. It's it's, it's long. It's, it will take you like more than half an hour to read it, but it's really worth your while. Is that he asked? He is the guy, the kind of investigators who ask for Freedom of Information Act, uh, inf- uh, you know, records. So all of these FOAs, it's a very lengthy process. It's probably boring as hell and expensive also. But he did the due diligence. And when he asked about Intellipedia entries with regards to uh, this program, ATIP, uh, he was told that there were none. But then he he checked out... uh, sometime later and there was an entry but it was all an entry with about public information about the um, the new york times article and the political article so basically someone someone wrote an entry on this intellipedia which is kind of like a wikipedia that is used to to share information between intelligence agencies in the united states but the one who wrote it it was all just the things that we already know there was nothing you know, new, or there was no uh, mention of actual official reports. So basically, what he's saying is that everything that there will be that we've been told that came from official dom is suspect. Even all those uh, papers that are say that were disclosed by 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 the uh, Department of Defense they don't have the kind of like rubber stamps or the kind of like pedigree of actual official documents. So he is raising the red flags there and I feel it's legitimate. It's legitimate to question whether this is actual, where, where the information came from. Because the, the, the first uh, Tic Tac video, I think, came in August of 2017. So this was before the, 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 the 
New York Times article that was uh, published in December and was before the official launch of To The Stars that happened in October. So who was the one who leaked it into the internet? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it makes you think where it could have actually come from. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there is, a, to say this in the time we have left, there is an attitude that I see now where it used to be the government was in charge of this or the military, and they said, well, this could change everything. We don't want people to know. Mm. And now it seems that these private companies have gotten a hold of this and the attitude, as I think put very well in the documentary on the uh, Skinwalker Ranch, mm. is that you know now this attitude is, well, this is the most amazing thing that is ever going to happen. It's going to change the world, but we're not ready to tell you what it is yet. Mm. And it seems that now it's not the government that's in charge of this. It seems like these private companies are in charge. And these are the same, these aerospace companies, and I guess we could tie this back into Silicon Valley, because that's probably part of mm -hmm. it, that um, they now are in charge of this, and they, they are now controlling that narrative. Well, that, that is not necessarily a new development in, in the UFO mythology, because there's the idea that yeah. uh, it was Richard Nixon who lost control of the UFO secret, because of Watergate, and by the way, that's the time when when, when the this uh, famous documentary UFOs, Past, Present, and Future was released. It was, it was 1974, I want to say, uh, and that's when Robert Emenegger, who was the producer of that uh, documentary, he was promised that he will be getting uh, actual footage of a UFO landing in Holloman Air Force Base, you know, in, 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 in New Mexico. Yeah. And at, mm -hmm. the, at the last minute, they told him, oh, no, 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 we're not going to release the footage because the timing is not right, you know, because of Watergate. The, the political climate changed. So anyway, they say that that's when Richard Nixon lost the the power of the, over the, the, the UFO secret and the UFO technology technology and it was handed over to to private companies companies like Raytheon and by the way what what is what, what is the, the the name of the company that produces all the radar systems that were used to record these tic tac ufos on, on it was Raytheon so I know another spin in, in, in all these really crazy ass conspiracy right the, the military-industrial complex, um, aerospace companies. Right. Yeah, and now people like Bigelow, their interest in it, which I think Bigelow has a genuine interest, but I think he also has a genuine real interest <laughs> in some of this stuff. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but he has a, 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 an interest, and, and we also know that uh, he was the, the sole bidder of the the ATIP contract. There was no other uh, company no. that was bidding for having that contract to to hand to handle the the so-called metamaterials alien alloys. 
And also, by the way, it fascinates me how some people who are very excited about all of this, they tend to make such connections between these and also Diana's book and also the other parts of the disclosure narrative, like they say, yeah, uh, the to the stars, the ATIP program proves Bob Lazar and Area 51. But, I mean, listen what you're saying, because if if people are giving $22 million to make a new warehouse in his Vegas, uh, you know, company to keep these materials, why will the government need to do that if they already have a hunger full, a hunger full of flying saucers at S4, you know, in the near near Area 51? I mean, why are... Right, you just cut a piece off of it. Yeah, why are they looking for pieces of flying saucers if they already have one that is full and fully operational? Yeah. It, it, it doesn't... Come- yeah, I mean, it... it yeah, uh, this, it seems like Bob Lazar, I don't know whether he's just trying to come back into the picture. Maybe, you know, that some people, they see that... Um, there is now this interest again in UFOs and weirdness, and they're trying to just kind of come back, like to get on their comeback tour. You know, that's that that seems to be how it is. So, like I like I was saying, I, I'd rather be talking more about studies in consciousness and studies about uh, using psychedelic drugs yeah. in order to prove the non-local nature of human consciousness. That talking about Bob Lazar and his unobtainium over again. Unobtainium. Yeah. <laughs> well, Red Pill, this has been awesome, man. Thank you for for being here and kind of um, clarifying some of this for us tonight. And um, where can people get in touch with you if they want to uh, find your stuff? Well, they can find my stuff uh, primarily on the Daily Grail, www.dailygrail.com. Uh, that's where I am a news editor and also a a writer I also write occasionally for Mysterious Universe MysteriousUniverse.org also have my own uh, website AbsurdByDesign.com which I also use to promote other stuff that are not uh, articles or essays I I try to promote uh, my artwork I, I, I make art commissions you know people if they're interested in that they can contact me there and they also uh try to sell t-shirts in a sassel store uh linked to, to the to absorb by design that are, are trying to promote uh 4g and culture in a fun way cool yeah very cool you are you are a really great artist as well no, the people should check your stuff out well we're going to close this section out guys stay in the line for us red pill and we will be right back to close out the show on good spirit normal thank you Um, the only thing open them hours is waffle house and legs you never heard that one? No. The only oh, thing open at that hour is legs and Waffle House. Yeah, I guess I'm not that quick right now. 
Well, my mind is kind of blown from the uh, interview that we just did with Red Pill Junkie. Yeah, pretty epic. And we did what? What was it? 30, 40 minutes on... Patreon joint, yeah. Yeah, we, so we did that on the Mexican Revolution and a little bit on some other subjects dealing with the Mexican Revolution. And it has some... Uh, there are some uh, paranormal stuff wrapped up in there. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. That I was really unaware of. It was really yeah. interesting. Very interesting. Got to stop yawning. Um, so, any thoughts on the interview with Red Pill? Uh, it was just cool. We just jump around as usual. So yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think that it was worth exploring a little more going into and getting his ideas about the interview with uh, with Diana that we did last week. Yeah, because um, like is, I think a lot of his some of his analysis really, you know, in, informed my take on sure. American Cosmic also before I even read it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you had told me about uh, some of that info too. Um, I, you would, ever people would talk about Jacques Vallée and they would talk about him going into Silicon Valley and leaving UFOs behind. Now I think of that in a totally different light. Was he yeah. really, was he, was he really leaving that behind or was he taking things and concepts that he learned from that study and bringing them over to his work at Silicon Valley. Right. You know, so that's an interesting thing. Uh, speaking of Silicon Valley, I watched a, an interesting documentary on HBO called the inventor. And this was about this company called Theranos who wanted to basically take a, drop of blood and be able to get all the information of any kind of disease genetic or otherwise, or whether you were going to have a heart attack even at a certain time. And it was this, this whole idea that basically this company tried to fake it before they made it. Yeah. And it blew up in their face, but Watching this, you have this inventor, I can't remember, the supposed inventor, I can't remember her name, this entrepreneur, who had all these kind of connections to like people like Henry Kissinger and uh, I guess, uh, was it Ed Schultz, one of the Secretary of State? And, you know, there's something with some of these people like her and Zuckerberg, and if you watch it, you'll see what I'm talking about, where they just have this very kind of like, this stare about them and almost like this emptiness. It's very, it's very odd. They're not, not, it's not just nerds. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, almost like, I mean, is it like an As Asperger's thing? You know, we're not to, not to, you know, put a, any kind of aspersions on somebody like that, but you know, it, it's very strange. I don't know if it's something that you've, that you've noticed. Almost I mean, like a, almost like a separation from from reality. Yeah, but I mean, I, I would I would say that generally that kind of just goes along with that type, you know, to be yeah. stereotypical. Yeah. Um, but I mean, think about it. We're we're talking in the same way about um, like say scientists who are removed from the consequences of their discovery or things like that. There's that distance, you know that it that 
that can be scary, which is like what you're talking about, your reaction to it, because you see a, a distance, right? Yeah, and it very much fits in with the things that we talked about. So it's very interesting that I watched that documentary. I think I watched it the same night that we actually um, did the show with uh, with Diana. Um, guys, I think that is it. Next time, I hope to have, and I say that because, you know, anything can happen at any time. Um, Jason Offit on the show, and we are going to talk about American monsters. So this is going to be kind of a little bit of a switch. We're going to get back into cryptids for a little while. Yeah, I know. I know we gave you guys way too much transhumanism. Yeah, way too much philosophical stuff going on. So we got to we got we got to tone it down a little bit. Uh, talk about you know Bigfoot or something. Um, so we has we're going to have this up on Patreon with Red Pill. Um, if you would tell them, Serfiel, the um, where we can they can find us on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash conspiranormal. Uh, you can also give a one-time donation on conspiranormal.com. Uh, we're really trying to get the extra content thing going uh, with the Patreon. Um, like he said, we're putting up this red pill uh, segment on the Mexican Revolution. We're going to be doing some other stuff too. We want to start doing more romper rooms, patron only romper rooms coming up. So, uh, look forward to monthly, you know, multiple, multiple, uh, pieces of content every month, at least. All right. Well, that's it guys. Join us next week. We're going to get down into, uh, talk about some American monsters on Conspiranormal. Don't listen to haters. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.